Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlanc, and I'm your host for a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce, introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waving for the video portion of our show. Uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler. Uh, we also have, I believe, all retired this evening, uh, Chief John Newman, Captain Brett Bartlett, uh, Corporal David D. Gresta, uh, Officer Andrea Casal, and... Drum roll, please. Uh, eight, retired ATF agent and the owner of GunLearn.com, Dan O'Kelly, also a frequent panelist on the show. We also have producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys. Yes, uh, we're going to get some good stuff from Dan O'Kelly a little bit later. Hey, we're also going to give a, a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Galls. Some more information about Galls coming up later. Extra-duty solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And we are outletted uh, through many sources, uh, live free TV, Red Voice Media with Ray Dietrich, including Thin Blue Line TV, also the free pressure Brian Burns, and we're powered by Pexip. So thank you guys for that. Um, now, without, uh, I guess, wasting any more time, guys, let's go ahead and jump into it, because we've got um, a lot of really good articles coming up, and we have three main articles, main stories that we're talking about. The first one is on policeone.com. It's also on redvoicemedia.com and Blue Line TV. Biden, that's President Joe Biden, tightens some gun controls, says much more or needed. Um, so, President Joe Biden, in his first gun control measure since taking office, he announced a half dozen executive orders, um, and he did this on Thursday, aiming at addressing a proliferation, as he's calling it, of gun violence across the nation that he calls an epidemic and an international embarrassment. Now, here's a quote saying that the idea that we have so many people dying every single day from gun violence in America is a blemish on our character as a nation. And this is what Biden said from the White House. Now, uh, Thursday's announcement delivers on a pledge that the president made last month when he termed immediate common sense steps to address gun violence after a series of mass shootings, uh, and uh, it drew renewed attention to this issue. Now, Biden emphasized that the scope of the problem uh, is between the mass sh uh, killings in Atlanta, um, the massage businesses, the Colorado grocery store shooting that happened last month, and he said that there were more than 850 additional shootings to kill 250 and injured 500 people in the United States. Uh, but Thursday's announcement underscored uh, the limitations that he has in executive power to act on guns, that's what the article says. I think what he's doing is just a, a warm-up to what's really coming down the pipe with executive order, uh, because I don't think the Congress is going to do anything, but we'll discuss that. His orders tighten regulations on homemade guns and provide more resources for gun violence prevention, but according to the article, falls short of the sweeping gun control agenda that he laid out during the campaign. And it says that he's urging Congress to act, calling on the Senate to take up a House-passed measure or measures, closing background investigation uh, loopholes, as he calls them, gun violence uh, against women act. He wants them to, to do that, eliminate legal exemptions for gun manufacturers and ban assault weapons, whatever those are, and high-capacity magazines. So that's kind of where we're at, guys. And in, in closing, the Justice Department is supposed to issue a proposed rule regarding uh, gun kits to be treated the same as firearms under the Gun Control Act, and that would require that the parts that are being made have serial numbers and the buyers have to receive background checks. So that's where we're at on this thing. I'd, uh, I'd love to get some input from the panel on this and predictions maybe on where they think this thing is going to go. So uh, any, any takers yet? And Brett, you want to start us off? Sure, here's where they want to take us. They want to take your guns away from you. If, <clears throat> okay, next conversation. 
if, if they told me right now and, and, and they said, listen, um, all, all I want your AR-15, we won't ever, you know, the one I lost in the boat fire, we've talked about this. If they, and if I really believe they wouldn't want anything else from me ever, ever, ever again, ever, I'd go, here you go. But that's never, ever the case. And they always say, it, it, when this stuff gets through, somebody's going to say this, it's a good first step. And, and we never asked, step to what? Well, y'all, from where we are now to total gun confiscation is where they want to take us and, and have no doubt. And I don't believe in black helicopters. They're, they're just very dark green. They're not actually black. But they, want, they don't want us to have guns because an unarmed society is a compliant society. And look how compliant we've been in the last year. And so they've had their test run. Different subjects, same results. We did exactly what they wanted us to do. So when people say uh, uh, background checks or eliminating uh, um, uh, the AR-15 the AR pistols, it, listen, it's just a smokescreen. Do not give an inch. Do not give an inch because they will, for every inch we give, they'll, de they'll demand a mile. Very good, Captain. Excellent statements. Guys, anybody else on this? I mean, uh, um, I, I agree with the Captain. I think it's just getting the foot in the door and getting warmed up because I don't think the Congress is going to end up doing what the president wants. What do you think, uh, ATF, Dan? You know, I fully agree with Brett and anybody who's been in the gun public or the gun industry, you know, been a gun enthusiast as long as I have, can remember these catchphrases like Saturday Night Special. Everybody remember that one? Uh, street sweeper, sniper rifle. You know, to, to Brett's point, if you did comply and say, okay, all right, we'll, we'll find a happy meeting on ground here and we'll give up our AR-15s, it would be just a stopgap until the next catchphrase. You know, okay, now we want your Saturday night specials. Now we want your street sweepers. Now we want your sniper rifles. It's never going to end. Gun control is not about guns. It's about control. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Hey, Dan, just out of curiosity, I see that rifle over your head on the wall. What is, what is that? That's uh, an 1850s double barrel shotgun, actually, and the left barrel is a flint lock and the right barrel is a percussion lock, and it's very unusual. So that's why it's up on the wall. It doesn't get used. It's more of a conversation piece. Sweet. All right. Glad I asked. Is that, I never is that the one that Joe Biden said you could you could make the noise and chase <laughs> the burger off the back porch? Is that part of the, is that part that, of your overall plan? That's that's the home yeah. security system. I need a ladder right, to get I'm up just, to it, and then it takes five right, minutes to load it. I'm sure Joe would be pleased with you. But here's another thing, Chip, and Dan, I'm sure you can back me up. A lot of the stuff that we're seeing is, is because ATF, like a lot of federal agencies, have, has a lot of power in the Code of Federal Regulations, which is it's the executive branch. So they can go in, the executive branch can change a lot of the rules and definitions. If it was all in the statute, it'd have to go through the, you know, through the national legislature. So, Dan, do you think that there's something to that, that they we've given them too much power in the Code of Federal Regulations where they can change it? It, it doesn't have to be legislated like if, if it was all law. If it was all Title 18, they'd have to legislate it. But if it's Code of Federal Regulations, doesn't that give them more ability to easily change things? I, I may be reading too much into it. 
Well, granted, to change something in the Gun Control Act or Title 18, as you mentioned it, uh, you have to go through Congress. That's a long procedure, not easy to do. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I'm not the attorney on the panel, but my understanding of changing even the Code of Federal Regulations requires a uh, notice of proposed rulemaking in the Federal Register, 90 days of public comment. That's a two to five year process, and it's not easily done either. So I think a lot of this on Biden's part is barking, but I'm not so sure how much bite it's going to have because it's, you know, it's a lot of just playing to the left and telling them what they want to hear. But in the long run, uh, this stuff is easier said than done. All right. Excellent information. And for people not familiar with Dan O'Kelly, I'll tell you, he's a heck of a resource, guys. He he, he really is. So, um, um, and you need to check out gunlearn.com. We have more information coming up about, about that. Now, we've got about a minute and a half left before we're going to do um, an, an interview with Mike Fadden, the new CEO of Gauls. Uh, but let me go ahead and go to our next topic. It's going to be an update on something. It's on policeone.com. A judge orders release of ex-Dallas cop accused in two murders. There's a little drama going on here. I expect to get more stuff down the pipe on this. We've got limited information, but Dallas County Criminal Court Judge Audrey Moorhead ordered the release of former police, uh, Dallas police officer Brian Reiser, and he was charged with two counts of capital murder. So Moorhead uh, decided police did not have enough evidence to hold Reiser after listening for more than two hours of testimony by homicide detective Esteban uh, Montenegro at a hearing about whether the case should go forward to a grand jury. So Reiser, um, who's our Dallas cop, was arrested on capital murder charges and fired last month in the 2017 slayings of Albert Douglas and Lisa Sinez. Now, prosecutors took the rare step of publicly disagreeing with the lead detective that they, um, I guess, that they had enough evidence to prosecute the case. So, man, there's some more stuff going on here, uh, but I, I, I can't wait to find out what it is. And, and look, guys, I'm not going to take comments. If there are comments on that, great after the break. But we're going to play an audio interview that I did with Mike Fadden, the new CEO of Gauls. And it's two minutes. It's a good interview. And uh, we're going to go and play the interview, the audio portion live, and we'll be right back on the show. So hang with us uh, for just a, a couple minutes here. We'll be right back and get to the next story. in the new CEO of Gauls. You really help put things in perspective. Gauls supplies everything that a cop is going to need except for guns and ammunition. Um, so that's pretty impressive. But just to accomplish that feat alone, I mean, that's just, that's it's huge, huge. I, it's very exciting to hear where Gauls, I know where Gauls has been. It's exciting to hear where you're at today. And uh, if, 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 if anyone asked you about your vision for Gauls tomorrow, how would you respond? Yeah, so I'm myself and my my executive team are just laser focused on creating a culture that is relentlessly focused on the customer, and, and you do that by putting your money where your mouth is by setting the example. So, like I said, I'm happy to be on the phone multiple times a week with chiefs or individual officers. Um, we we just uh, finalized our 2021 IT budget. And our, our entire budget is going into five IT projects that are all about improving service to the customer. Um, 
just uh, really demonstrating here inside the building that you know it's a new gold and we're going to be focused on the customer. Now, if somebody wanted to get more information on goals, and I know that you've got your email address out there, uh, which I'm I'm still impressed with. Um, what how what would be the best way? Would it be the website, or, or is there functions that you do throughout the year that they should go to to try to get more information about goals? What would be your advice? How do they get more information? We, we've got a great website, uh, golf.com, of course. Um, a lot of officers uh, purchase off of, off of golf.com. But as always, you can email me at MikeFaddenCEO at golf.com. So listen, Chip, th thanks for uh, having me today. Congratulations on your podcast. are really blowing up and uh, just a pleasure for me to spend a few minutes with you. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're getting the alerts from Gauls like I am, uh, Brett, but I I mean, they've got, uh, <laughs> just got a new big uh, sale going on on backpacks and on bags. So I get those things. But, uh, but Ward, did you have a comment about the, uh, about the last update that we just gave? Yeah, it's a very unusual situation. I looked into it because it was so unusual. I've never heard of a hearing before a judge to determine whether a case goes before the grand jury. Uh, certainly in federal procedures, there's no such thing, so maybe this is a state issue. I also don't understand why, if the prosecutor thought this case wasn't strong enough to bring, why they brought it in the first place. More importantly, there's actually, I think, probably probable cause here, because there were three people who kidnapped the two other people, three people who killed them, and one of them uh, uh, asserts that the police officer hired them and paid them. So to me, that's probable cause, but it, it could well be that he's not credible and the prosecutors didn't want to proceed with that alone. Yeah, just, it's just, you don't see this play out in the media, um, you know, that often. And, and you're right. I was surprised that the um, SAO is pursuing, it's, it's gone as far as it has uh, when the SAO didn't want it to go there. Um, so I, I'm just, there's got to be some stuff going on in the background that we're unaware of. So. Uh, but we'll we'll keep watching and following in, in case anything new comes up. We'll bring it, um, you know, to the listeners. If there's nobody else on this, I think it's time to cover um, some videos. We're going to cover two. The first one, it's on Police One, RedVoiceMedia.com, and Blue Line TV. And Minnesota officer meant to draw a taser in a fatal officer-involved shooting that sparked unrest. Guys, these first two stories um, are are. They're, they're pretty tough. I, I didn't know which one to cover first. I, I, I selected this one. They're both uh, hot in the news right now. Uh, neither one of them are, are really, are really going to be fun to cover. Uh, this one, Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota. So the police chief in a Minnesota suburb uh, where a black man was fatally shot during a traffic stop said on Monday that he believes the officer who fired intended to use her taser and not the handgun. Now, if you remember on the show, we covered one. I think the last one we covered was a female officer. And before that, it was an elderly uh, white male uh, auxiliary deputy that was in his 70s. Um, so Brooklyn Center Police Chief Tim Gannon um, described the shooting as an accidental discharge. Brett might have some words on that. Dante Wright, 20 years old, he died on Sunday. Now, Gannon, he's the chief, said in a news conference that the officer made a mistake. He released the body cam footage. Um, from the officer who fired. So I've got to give him credit for that. The footage shows three officers around a stopped car when another officer 
which is the female officer, attempts to handcuff Wright, and really she's kind of joining in. Um, a struggle ensues. The officer is heard shouting taser several times before firing her weapon. Uh, but it's a body cam video. You can clearly see she's got a firearm, not a taser pointed at the bad guy. And, and I say bad guy because he he was he had a warrant out for arrest, but he wasn't complying with 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 police commands, in, which would have prevented this whole thing from happening anyhow. Uh, but the chief says this was an accidental discharge that resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Wright. And Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott called the shooting deeply tragic. He says that we're going to do everything that we can to ensure that justice is done and our communities are made whole. However, listen to what the Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz tweets, and. This guy tweets that he was praying for Wright's family as our state mourns another life of a black man taken by law enforcement. So it's nice to hear the governor support law enforcement like that. And then speaking uh, before the unrest, Wright's mother, who's Katie Wright, urged protesters to actually stay peaceful and to stay focused on the loss of her son. Now, there was all kinds of writing and stuff going on, burning, you know, all kinds of crap going on. But the mother... Is, is encouraging crowds to do that. Here's a quote saying, all the violence, if it keeps going, it's only going to be about the violence. And this is what she's telling people. We need it to be about why my son got shot for no reason. And she's saying this to a crowd of people um, at Brooklyn Center. And there's about, um, there's about 30,000 people in the city. Uh, she goes on to say that we need to make sure it's about him and not about smashing police cars because that's not going to bring my son back. Very impressed with this lady. Authorities said the car was pulled over for having expired registration, and after they determined the driver had a warrant, police said they tried to arrest him. Then the driver re-enters the vehicle, and uh, after an officer fired striking him, the vehicle travels several blocks before it hits another car. A female passenger was actually in the car, sustained non-life-threatening injuries uh, during the crash, and uh, the passenger, according to the deceased mother, was her son's girlfriend. Court records show that Wright, who's our bad guy that was killed, uh, was being sought after failing to appear in court on charges that he fled from officers and possessed a gun without a permit during an encounter with Minneapolis police back in June. So that's where we're at on this, guys. Uh, Brett, Captain, you want to start us off with this? We've got about two minutes. Well, we've seen something like this in the last few years several times. Uh, an officer puts something in their hand, they think it's a taser, and they're firing the shot. I couldn't tell, maybe you guys could tell me, where where her taser was. Was it on her gun side or was it on, on her other side? We've talked about this, you know, uh, when there was a shooting out at uh, uh, San Francisco in the transit system. Same thing, officer yells, taser, taser, pulls out his gun, turns out his taser was on the same side of his gun. And if that's the case, that's a huge, huge problem. That's a huge uh, training problem. But then she fired several shots, and which I don't know. If you fire a shot, you think that would kind of spark your 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 mind going, oh, that's not what a taser is supposed to sound like. But then again, if she was pulling that trigger really fast, I, I don't know. But I'd love to see where that taser was. Um, it, 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 if it was on the if it was on the same side as her gun, then that's going to be a big problem for for everybody. Yeah, I looked, and John, I know you're up uh, next, Chief. I I did look at. In the video, I saw her. One of her partners clearly had the taser on the opposite side. Um, there was a third officer there. I couldn't really tell, um, but yeah, I, I I couldn't tell. But I, I heard that there was a question about what you're talking about, Brett, whether that was the case or not. Uh, Chief, you've got about 45 seconds. Yeah, you know, there today that I was really disappointed in. But one of the things the chief did say is they train dominant hand firearm, non-dominant hand. Your side is where your taser is. So your taser is opposite. He was very 
specific about that in the press conference um, at the Brooklyn uh, Center today. So the press conference with the uh, the mayor and the city manager and the chief, and it, uh, journalism's dead. I mean, it was, it was an activist. It, you know, the, the only thing we we're missing was the pitchforks. There's a lot of mistrust issues going on there, but we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. All right. Thank you, Chief. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. guys. Hey, I want to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production and morale, as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's Extra Duty Off-Duty Employment Program, it can actually be profitable. While you still control your program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer it at no cost to your agency, and they take on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers from most eligible work the assignments, they get priority, and they paid out over a whopping $50 million in Extra Duty work within the past 12 months. Visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. Also, the Viridian Fact Duty Weapon Mounted Camera. It has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically when the officer's gun is actually pulled out of the holster. It provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, overcoming inherent issues with body cams. Now, the Fact Duty, and that's the FACT Duty, it has a 1080p full high definition, I'm sorry, high definition digital camera, has a microphone, 500 lumen tactical light. It also, it's less expensive than data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. You get more information on the fact duty at gun-camera.com. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Chief, the floor is yours. When I listen to the press conference today, you know, I'm telling you right now, the city manager or the chief, are is, they're not going to last. Want to know why? Because they stayed true to due process. They were able to produce that body camera that you saw today within 20-some-odd hours of the shooting just to show that they're transparent and we're looking into it. But that wasn't enough to satisfy the media. They wanted information on the officer. They wanted information about a lot of things. And this is getting handed over to a third-party independent agency to investigate it. And the city manager said, look, we're not even going to think about termination. This officer has due process. And it suddenly turned from a Q&A type of press conference to activism where they didn't like what the chief said. So they asked the city manager, are you going to terminate the chief? It was all it was, it was all based on the premises that this officer shot this individual because he was black. The bottom line, and I did not have the opportunity at that time to watch the video. The video wasn't made uh, available online until much later. So when the chief says, hey, look, I think it's pretty apparent what happened, he's not kidding. You can obviously see from the time the discharge of the firearm, how quickly they rendered aid, what she was saying. Um, you know, bottom line, she thought she had her taser. This isn't about race. This is tragedy. But they're lumping once again and gaslighting this all into, you know, black versus white, police officers versus the African-American community. And every time you're gonna have a shooting, it's always gonna be something horrific. And and the chief was very specific. You, every shooting is different. Every shooting has its own unique circumstances. And he was staying true to the due process line, as were the city manager. And they both, the, the, the people in, in the press conference were talking openly about they should both be fired. They didn't like the response. They were staying true to the, they were staying true to the, you know, to the law, to what the facts were, are going to bring out. 
and that didn't satisfy the people that were in the press conference. It was genuinely disappointing. Well, sad but true. All right, guys. Um, I think, Andrea, why don't you uh, chime in here? Uh, just real quick, I you know, I agree with John. I think it's unfortunate. We, th we throw those adjectives out. Would If this was a white guy that she shot, I don't care if that person was black, white, green, purple, yellow. I, I think it was going to happen. I mean, she, she clearly she screwed up. But I think that, you know, they throw the adjectives out there. And, of course, now, you know, we're, we're creating, you know, mass riots just just for a narrative i mean it's it's got to stop somewhere and i think people some people are getting very tired of it it's 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 i mean it's kind of over the top you know we need to understand it would have happened either way and I, I just i think it's unfortunate it's tragic and i you could almost see the pain in the chief's voice when he was talking about it today yeah, and, and Andrea, I don't think that any of us would deny that it really couldn't have come at a worse time. I mean, I mean, Chauvin trial and, uh, you know, where it happened at. I mean, it's just it's just unfortunate. But let's be honest, we're going to start getting, unfortunately, a lot of these officers, they're they're lacking training and you're going to get a lot more of the bottom of the barrel. You're going to see it more often. You know, I don't know anything about this officer, but unfortunately, I do think that you're going to see it because there's going to be a lot of people walking off the job and there's going to be less training and i think it's going to be you know it's going to it's going to be bad for everybody good point what do you think captain well first i'd like to one day hear from her um read her interview what were you thinking what was going through your head why did you do it not with a point to assign blame but what was going through her head her head is is extremely important we may never know that secondly the only thing that's going to satisfy this mob if the chief takes that officer and throws her out in the street and we have something like a scene out of the French Revolution where they're just taking people and dragging them up to the guillotine and chopping their head off with no, no trial, no nothing. That's all they want. They want her so they can tear her apart and destroy her. There is no rule of law with these people unless it applies to them. And, it, and it's a shame that, that, that we're at this point now. The voice of reason cannot be heard over the screaming. It's unfortunate. I mean, I think it's. I think you would have a hard time arguing anybody um, that it was. She did not appear surprised when she shot him because as soon as he pulled away, the first words out of her mouth was, and she was in shock. I shot him, and of course she's yelling taser when she's pulling the trigger. Um, so definitely, we don't teach that. Um, definitely, you know, she made a mistake. Um, I, I suspect it's probably. Um, a, a, a training issue in some way, shape, or form. Not that she shouldn't be held responsible, because I think her police career um, is and should be over. But, um, but yeah, we'll have to watch to see what happens. Is there anything else, uh, Captain? Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we move on? We're good. All right, guys. Excellent input. So thank you all very much. Let's go to our uh, next video. Uh, PoliceOne.com. Uh, it says video: new details released in a fatal shooting of New Mexico State Trooper. Again, uh, remember we're covering two back to back here. Um, this is not. It's not an easy video to watch. Um, I'm really kind of glad that the tail end of the video um, was not rolling when. The final thing happened, but we're in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. State police released details and video footage on Friday of a February slain of Officer Darren Gerrott along Interstate 10, which is in southern New Mexico. Now, he's a 28-year-old or was a Lordsburg native, father of three, fatally shot just after noon on February the 4th during a traffic stop along I-10. Now, uh, authorities are saying that the man who shot him is 39-year-old Omar Felix Cueva, uh, he was killed in a gunfight with authorities um, 
afterwards. So um, Gerard was a, a New Mexico State police officer shot and killed in the line of duty. And, uh, and I guess he's the first that's been killed in over 30 years. And he stopped a white pickup truck that was eastbound on I-10, east of Deming, and uh, he asked the driver to exit the truck. And of course, they've got you know body cam and dash cam video of this thing. Um, so our bad guy, who's the driver, um, you hear the officer say, ask him something about being armed. The driver says yes, and he, he doesn't have his, uh, I don't think he had his uh, his ID. So the officer wants him to come back and he's gonna verify his ID and wanted him to bring the gun with him. And so the officer, the trooper is on the um, embankment. He's on the outside of the interstate and on the passenger side of the truck while our driver's getting out on the driver's side, on the interstate side. And they're both walking back towards the uh, cruiser and there's just simply the truck bed between them. and. You do see the officer, you know, looking over at the bad guy. Bad guy's looking at the officer, but then you see the uh, the bad guy just raise up his uh, his AR-15 and just level it at the uh, at the officer, pull the trigger, and then you hear more gun gunshots being fired, presumably by our bad guy. But they kind of freeze frame it and don't show that. Um, so uh, the officer falls on his back and our bad guy runs up fires several more shots killing him and before he leaves he does a point blank shot uh, shot to the back of the officer's head um it also says that a homeland security uh, investigation agent who was working with our trooper um he uh arrived and notified state police that an officer was down and uh, you have some guys, you know, rolling up there. That's at the tail end of the video. State police officers, um, they caught up with our bad guy headed east on I-10. Pull him over. He fires at the officers. Both officers fire back. He gets back in the truck. He continues eastbound. And then afterwards, uh, we've got police, a sheriff's office, and U.S. Border Patrol. They jump into the pursuit. So state police use spike strips on the truck. He continues to flee. And various law enforcement officers fire at him as he leaves and then um an l uh, an lcpd officer adrian de la garza uh, she uses pit maneuver uh the truck comes to a stop he gets out he fires multiple rounds at authorities so our uh, so adrian and then a deputy deputies uh, diego herrera and obed montre uh, they return fire he struck our bad guy struck several times by gunfire Officer uh, De La Garza was struck by gunfire, also airlifted to a Texas hospital and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, but the only good news out of this is our bad guy was pronounced dead at the scene. So that's the way this went down. Um, I don't know what kind of comments we've got. We've got about about a minute exactly. Uh, Chief Newman, you want to start us off? You know, Phil even says it online. It was hard to watch. You know, the guy's got three kids. He had one on the way. I'm glad that the bad guy, you know, got what he deserved because I think back around you know, the late 2000s, New Mexico did away with their death penalty, but it was horrible to watch. You know, it, it happens that quickly. Um, you know, our folks who take those traffic stops for granted, you know, should watch this video. But, you know, I'm glad glad the bad guy got what he deserved. Thank you, Chief. Um, anybody else, guys? Captain Bartlett, you want to jump in? I'd, I'd like to know, we never know, well know, what the officer saw inside that, where'd that, where'd that weapon come from? Um, as he stepped out, it looked to me like he popped the stock open as he was holding it down, kind of hiding it from the officer's vision. He popped the stock open and then he raised him, fired the shot. But man, I don't know. I just, you, you just never know what the day is going to bring. It's true. All right. Well, look, guys, uh, uh, Dan O'Kelly and David Degress to hold your thoughts. We're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back.
right, guys. Well, look, let's talk about industry leader in technology solutions for law enforcement. We have Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there's a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive, and it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicant. Now, no upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend visiting them today at GuardianAlliancetechnologies.com. And also, guys, uh, we normally talk about, you know, gun learn, but right now I want to talk to you guys about the police unity tour. Now, we announced, what, a week or two ago that uh, police week is not going to be in Washington, D.C. They've moved it from May 15th to October. And the police unity tour, which always arrives usually around May 12th, um, you know, they support the law enforcement officers memorial and the museum, and they raise awareness for law enforcement officers that are killed in the line of duty. In 2021, it's actually the 25th anniversary of the police unity tour. And chapter members from all over the world ride bicycles um, 350 miles in honor of fallen heroes of law enforcement. So in 2021, the tour uh, is going to take place in Florida. And there's going to be more information on the website. Producer will put it up. It's going to be the American Police Hall of Fame and Museum in Titusville, Florida. More information under the video when you guys hear this message. All right. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Um, guys, do we have any comments on the, uh, on the last video? Anything uh, that no one got to say that they wanted to? All right. Well, look, in that case, then, you know, um, since we've got Dan O'Kelly on the show and Dan, I see your mic just opened up. So did you want to before we talk about gun learn, did you want to talk about the uh, video that we just watched? I just wanted to say that I have, you know, full respect for every law enforcement agency in this country. Uh, but speaking of the New Mexico State Police, I had the opportunity to teach a couple of seminars there. And those are the most impressive people. Uh, my heart goes out to that officer and his family. I just wanted to add that. It's a sad story. Well, thank, thanks, Dan. And and Dan, you know, while we've got your mic open, you know, I usually, um, you know, start off talking about gunlearner.com, telling people that no matter what they uh, know or what they think they know about guns and ammunition, that, that there's always a knowledge gap that leaves them confused and missing the complete picture, and that gunlearn has taken the confusion out of learning and made it easy. Um, so I'd kind of like to, if you could just briefly tell us what you guys, I know that you've got modules and stuff, and uh, could you kind of tell us, you know, how guys can, what the benefit is and how they can uh, acquire gunlearn.com and get certified? Sure, at some point we wanted there to be a program available for law enforcement where you can become fully competent. You go to a crime scene, whether it's a traffic stop, search warrant or what have you, and you don't need to refer to someone else to figure out what it is you're dealing with. Um, so our course is divided into 14 modules. Each one of those modules has a video. You can watch it as many times as you want. Uh, we also mail to you a printed copy of a study guide, which is over 300 pages long. Uh, you study at your pace, no matter how long you want to take. One module a day, a week, a month, it's up to you. Uh, there's a quiz for each one. And once you pass all the quizzes, you've proven that you've actually learned the material and the company certifies you as a firearm specialist. Sweet. Now, I, I know that Captain Bartlett, who's on the show with us tonight, he actually uh, 
took your course. He's a certified farm specialist. And actually, um, I think he's teaching, uh, you know, for you now. Um, and you guys provide, um, you know, certificates. Um, how just, just personally, I won't tell Brett what you said, but how was he in the class? Brett was excellent. I mean, I could, uh, you know, bust his chops right here in front of the nation and whatnot. But, you know, I only have two instructors uh, and he's one of them. So that tells you something. Now, Brett's top notch. It does. It does. Now, I know that you guys provide citations from uh, ATF rulings and uh, federal law. And actually, uh, you know, you've actually got law enforcement agencies, fire manufacturers and forensic organizations. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? We, our training is approved for annual continuing credit by the IAI, which is the International Association for Identification. It's a, a obviously international forensic association uh, for CSIs. And the ABMDI, the American Board of Medical Legal Death Investigators, that's a mouthful. That's sort of the mothership for coroners and medical examiners. They approve it for annual continuing ed. Um, and again, every year we teach at all the major police departments, Boston, Chicago, Miami, Seattle, St. Louis. Uh, we teach for a uh, couple of the major federal agencies that they don't want their names put out there, but they have three letters in the front of their, you know, uh, I'm sure you can guess who they might be. Uh, so yes, at the end of the course, you are sent a certificate, a supporting letter, and then all the swag that goes with it, patches and, you know, lapel pins and whatnot. So if you're a cop or an agency head watching this show, um, you know, I've sat and taken uh, some of Dan's courses when he was still active ATF, actually. Um, but I'm telling you, the amount of information is absolutely amazing. At least the online modules let you go at your own pace. Um, so whether you're working, you know, off-duty jobs, overtime, and you're, you can go at your own pace. It, it's really advantageous. Uh, but I, I really strongly encourage you guys to think about getting that that certification. And, uh, and Dan, if I'm an agency head and I'm thinking about maybe hosting, you know, one of your seminars at my agency, uh, is there any special thing you can do for them? Sure, we offer free seats uh, based on how many people you know pay to attend. Uh, but if your agency is considering getting some free training, all you need to do is invite us in, let us use your classroom, uh, send out an email notifying regional agencies that we're going to do it then and when, uh, you know, there and when, um, and have a few reference guns to pass around in the class for people to see the teaching points. And again, you'll get some of your personnel trained for free. It doesn't cost a cent, plus you get the free training. So it's a win-win for everyone. Perfect. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan. And guys, gunlearn.com or info at gunlearn.com. So thank you much. And I see Captain Brett uh, wants to uh, defend himself. Go ahead, Captain. Yeah, there's no. I don't need to defend myself. I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm so honored to be involved with this. Um, and those of you that think you know a lot about guns, go to the gunlearn.com website and, and go to the page and you'll click a link, test your knowledge, prepare to be humbled. <laughs> and, and another thing is the, the training is structured in, in, a, in a walk, jog, run type of thing where even if you don't have any knowledge about the topic, you still learn. If you already know a lot about it, you always learn. We've had rave reviews from far back as I can remember. It, it, and it was also cool is nobody else in the country is doing this. Nobody. All right. You guys heard it. You heard it here first. 
All right. Thank you guys very much. And uh, and thanks, Dan. Um, hey, we are now on redvoicemedia.com and, and Blue Line TV. Um, 275 sheriffs uh, send a brutal message to Biden uh, saying uh, that he unleashed a predictable illegal immigration crisis. So uh, the article starts off, it's actually interesting, 275 sheriffs from all over the U.S. have teamed up. They sent a letter to the White House saying that President Joe Biden's policies are, quote, encouraging and sanctioning lawlessness in the name of mass illegal immigration. Now, the sheriffs who are from 39 states, they used their letter to demand that Biden work with law enforcement in uh, reimposing controls at the U.S.-Mexico border and end the administration's, quote, sanctuary country orders that have gutted interior immigration enforcement. And here's a quote from the letter saying that in the interest of ending the undermining of our laws and increased risk of the safety and security of the people of the U.S. of the USA, we respectfully request that you immediately reverse course on your pro-illegal immigration policies, resume the border wall construction, and embrace the common sense public safety supporting uh, border policies of the previous administration. And in a myriad of ways, you and your administration are encouraging and sanctioning lawlessness and the victimization of the people of the United States of America in, in uh, all in the name of mass illegal immigration. And what is most troubling to America sheriffs is that you and your administration were well aware that this crisis would happen when you cease construction of the border wall and change border security policies. So uh, you know, it was written by a guy named James Sampson on April 9th, 2021 this year, originally appeared in uh, LifeZet. And, uh, of course, you see it here on Police One. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Red Voice Media and Blue Line TV. Interesting article. Any comments on that, guys? Any uh, difference of opinions? Do you guys think that he's right on? And we've got roughly about a, uh, a minute and 45 seconds. And Daniel Kelly, the floor yeah. is yours. When I was on staff at the ATF Academy in Georgia, which is also where one of the U.S. Border Patrol Academies is, uh, I can remember speaking to a lot of the instructors on the Border Patrol Academy staff. Uh, this goes back 20 years ago. And this is when, you know, illegal immigration was still what it, what it is. Uh, and I was told at that time that in every given city uh, crossing point along the Mexico border, they were intercepting 2,000 people a day at each city along the entire border. So that was 20 years ago and before they opened the gates. So do the math and That'll give you sort of a rough idea how many people are coming in a day that are going to have to be taken care of by, you know, your taxes, all the free welfare stuff. Wow. All right. Very interesting. Um, if there's nobody else, oh, Brett, go ahead. Well, Brett, we'll, we'll end it with you, Brett. You've got 50 seconds and we'll have to end on this segment. So go ahead, Brett. Well, here's we're going to cut out the middleman chip. What I want them to do is just go ahead on the border, provide my address to a couple of them coming across have them come to my door, knock on my door, and I'll write them a check directly, and we'll cut the middleman out because the federal government is woefully inefficient in stealing my money. So I'll call it my border crossing buddy program. I'm writing a check right now. Tell me how many zeros to put in it. Now, Brett, just a qu quick question in 10 seconds. Does this check writing, do they have to come inside the house, or do you have to drag them over the threshold of the doorway in order for this thing to apply? After no, I'll meet them out front. <laughs> I'll, I'll meet him out. There's already a line at your door. All right. Hey, Brett, there's already yeah. a line at your door. Yeah. Well, I call them relatives. We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, 
guys. Well, look, that is the end of our first hour of our show. A lot of radio stations carry the first hour. I should say maybe one or two of them do. Uh, so if you if you don't get to listen to the second half, contact your radio station, ask them to pick up the second half of the show. Uh, but that's the first, and we're going to be starting the second one in just a second. So thanks for being with us for the first hour, which is 45 minutes. The next 45 minutes is coming up in just one second. 